tell you a story though before I begin. There was a, th- a four-year-old called Melinda and her favourite story was The Three Little Pigs. Has anyone ever heard that story before? No, no tell us. <laughs> when she asked her mum or dad to read, she, she always asked her mum or dad to read it to her every night and they gladly obliged as parents do. But after several months of reading the same story over and over and over again from the same source with the same words, her dad got a really bright idea. He recorded the story on tape and told her when you go to bed, just press play on the tape. And we've got that covered. She was like, what? His dad's like, don't worry, you can still hear the exact same story with the same words, with the same themes, with the same conclusion. You can still hear the whole story. And she says, but I can't sit in the recorded lap. Like I, I can't sit in its, in its lap. And it's the same way with praying. Oh, oh analogy. Sometimes we feel like we are repeating the same things over and over again in prayer. And um, sometimes it can feel like it's just bland and dry. But that's not what prayer is meant to be. It's meant to be, and excuse the analogy because this will get some people way offside, but it's meant to be like a little kid sitting on their dad's lap. Still reading the same story, still with the same words, but the relationship and the communion is there together. In Matthew uh, 6, we're going to read about how um, prayer is meant to be uh, uh, meant to be done. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Any hypocrites here? No, no. But they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. I suggest maybe in our context, maybe they like to stand in the prayer meeting and pray loudly. It's not really for God. It's for the soul. I don't think we have anyone like that here. Don't worry. Truly, I say to you, they have actually received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases, as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Does any, does either of those things resonate with you? Are we empty? Are we uh, piling up empty phrases to the Lord? I know that sometimes when you get into a, a, a habit of prayer and you are continually bringing the same things before the Lord, sometimes it can feel like you are almost reciting a prayer. That's not. It's, I, we've got, and we'll get to it. We need to continue to bring things to God, but really, it's about communion with the Lord rather than a, a reciting and a religious ritual of many words. Let's uh, have a look at this next uh, screen here uh, with a picture. Uh, it says, "If we talk to people the way we talk to God, Emily wife, could you just pick up some milk, Emily wife, while you're at the store? Just go ahead, Emily wife, and just just go to the milk section, Emily." Just grab some milk, Emily, and just just place it right in your car, my wife. <laughs> Emily, wife, just thank you, Emily, wife. <laughs> 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 and I don't say that to ba- 
back there. I know, we all have these like things, habits that we do when we pray out loud to God and obviously everyone does it differently. But I thought that was quite funny. Uh, <laughs> if we, if we um, talk to our people in front of us the same way that we talk to God. But that's just meant to be amusing. It's not meant to be a judgment on people who use things. But I, I warn, I guess, against the ritual of prayer. And it's, it's, a, it's a funny word, that word ritual, in that it has positive connotations and negative connotations. Ritual in the sense of it loses its meaning of communion with God. That's not what prayer is ever meant to be. So let's have a think. If we were really honest um, with our prayer lives, let's have a think of a car uh, and let's have a think if your life was a car and prayer was a part of the car. I don't even know what those things are. I don't know. It looks like a speaker to me as a wheel. I'm not sure how that... I, yep. <laughs> I don't know. Car parts. Uh, if prayer was a part of your car, which part of the car would it be? Like, if we were genuinely honest, I'm not going to ask anybody to actually um, uh, tell uh, tell me the, their answer. Um, let's have a think of some awesome metaphors here. Is your uh, prayer in your life? Is it a steering wheel? Something that takes like a continuous and central role in the operation of your life and it steers you where you should go. Is prayer in your life a steering wheel? Hmm. Is prayer in your life a spare tyre? <laughs> We're glad it's there but we hope we never have to use it. <laughs> but in a very bad emergency, we do use a spare tyre. Is that prayer? It, like Seriously, like the genuine question. Like, Think for yourself. Don't think for the person next to you or the person that you judge as being hopeless over there or the person who you think must have a really good prayer. Think you, you yourself. What is prayer in your life? Nobody can do your prayer for you. You can't rely, like you can have people praying for you, but each person is responsible for their own communion with God. Even in marriages, if Evan, Evan can't pray like do my prayer. Only I have my own heart and my own feelings and my own thoughts. I am separate to Evan. He can help me and pray with me, but he can't do my praying for me. I have to do my prayer. It's actually my responsibility. Is prayer in your life, is it a horn? When you're angry or you're, or you're scared, you beep it. <laughs> and then you don't use the horn again for a couple of months. But then when something really big happens, you go beep, 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 to God. <laughs> Is it a review mirror where you haven't remembered to pray for things, then things have gone wrong and then you have reflected to God, why have they all gone wrong? <laughs> Is that when you talk to God? What do you think prayer should be in our life? Now, I know there's lots of metaphors that you could use, but I suggest that maybe a steering wheel is a good one. Maybe a chassis is a good one too. <laughs> but what really, genuinely, when you get down to it, really, what is the part of your car, of, of, of your life, that prayer actually is? A lot of people, um, so when you start talking about prayer, a lot of people, their immediate response, and I'm talking Christians, um, have immediately feel a sense of guilt. It just is what it is. I'm not going to ask anyone to put up their hands if they immediately felt guilty when I started talking about how you're praying. <laughs> because immediately we go, ah, oh, yeah, I could do so much better in that area. I saw a post. Um, it was 
it was yesterday, so I thought I'd chuck it in. But there was this pastor who was um, asking um, on a forum um, that, uh, for advice. Let's have a look at it. And he wrote this, and hopefully you'll never hear this. This is probably written privately. I doubt they'll ever look, but we won't name him. Uh, and he says, for whatever reason, I always feel like I am lacking in my personal study prayer time. I don't know if it's just guilt, because growing up, my dad always told me I should pray an hour a day and read the Bible through every year, or if I actually need to do it better. Would you mind sharing honestly the amount of time a day you spend in personal devotions? On the norm, I spend about 15 minutes each morning. Now, the thing I want to focus on that is he's asking because he's feeling guilty. Now, I can't judge and say 15 minutes is not enough. I can't judge and say you're totally... This is a personal matter that I don't know that actually asking in a public forum is really going to give you a a, a clarification. (laughs) But the, the basis, what was drawing him, what was pushing him to change his prayer life was not God, it was his dad. And what I want to talk about is what is driving your prayer life? Is it a sense of guilt and... And, and maybe other people are checking in on you, how you're praying. What is drawing us to pray? And when we read these verses, does anyone else get a little bit overwhelmed? Um, so we flip to the slide that has lots of verses on it. And they outline, be constant in prayer in Romans 12, 12. Pray at all times in the spirit with all perseverance, Ephesians. Pray about everything. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Pray without ceasing. <laughs> always pray and do not lose heart. Always, always, continue, continue. And you, you read that and there may be, maybe not in you, maybe a tendency to then go, oh, I feel guilty about that. I'm gonna, that's, I'm, I've, got, I've got to do something about it. So my question is, if we're aware that we need to pray more and we may feel a bit guilty about it sometimes, why actually don't we actually just change <laughs> and start to pray more? There could be, I mean, there could be a plethora of reasons why we don't. So we go, all right, I've got to pray without ceasing. <laughs> Let's get this, I've got to get this going. No, no, no. And then it falls by the wayside, maybe a week later. I would suggest that while there are some uh, many reasons, like laziness, get distracted, I'd suggest that maybe the main answer to the question of why don't we actually end up doing this is that we don't actually believe it will do any good. Like, in reality. When you think, oh, if you really thought prayer was going to make a difference, you would pray all the time. But actually, in the end, we start having the right theology set of beliefs, you know, based on the Bible, but actually practically not living that out in that the, the, the believing that prayer changes things should equal praying more because you actually think there's a correlation between you praying and God doing something. And I don't know what disillusionment or disappointment or prayers that you feel have not been answered at all I don't have the answers for those things. Times when people have been sick, you really believe that they would be healed and they have not been healed. I cannot answer those questions. But the Bible tells us to persevere and to continue and to keep believing in the face of things that are discouraging. And it doesn't say, 
pray without ceasing unless something really disappoints you and then stop praying without ceasing because um, you'll be right. <laughs> it still encourages us to pray even when things don't turn out the way that you thought that they were going to turn out. And what happens when things don't turn out the way you thought that they were going to turn out because you prayed? Then you stop believing that it's even possible. And while I don't have the answer of why that didn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out, I must come back to the word and say we need to start believing again. We need to start believing again, really going back to what we believe, read the Bible and go, I'm going to take that on and actually live that out. Can I just point out that these people of crazy faith praying about everything steadfastly and blah, 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 that most of those people were martyred in the end for their faith. Can I just point that out? They were not living in some bubble of financial prosperity where their relationships were perfect and they were heaven on earth and, you know, all that sort of thing. Can I just point out that they actually suffered badly in the end? But the thing that we have to go back to is that our hope is in heaven. I don't know why things don't work out. I don't know why sickness happens sometimes. But I have to keep believing. I have to go back to the Word and go, you know what, I just don't understand, but I'm going to come back and believe. Does that make sense to people? No, not really. (laughs) But I have to keep the faith going. Look in the Bible. If you're discouraged about something that happened, look in the Bible about people who went through some horrific things. Their hope returns in God, the creator of the universe. And then the hope that is in the next life, which will be an awesome. We're doing uh, heaven in young adults. Oh, it's it's uh, it's a, we only just started. I love it. I love this clarification of the concrete nature of heaven. That it's not going to be singing around in clouds, boringness. It's going to be an amazing place where we start again, but we continue. But it's a new start. But it's not boring. Ah, oh, it's going to be amazing. That's our hope in heaven. This is temporary. So when we just get discouraged. We don't then let the temporary things of this world derail us completely. We let the eternal concrete things keep us pulling us forward. Come back to faith again. Do you Have you stopped praying because you don't believe anymore? My challenge is sort out what you believe and start living that practically. But I say these things. You might feel bad and you think, all right, Because I feel bad about not praying enough so far, I am going to pray now. And it's going to be motivated by guilt. But even though the conviction to pray is right, that's a good conviction to have, the wrong fuel, which is guilt, it's it's not sustainable, right? Guilt to drive your prayer life will produce a life of legalism and religion. It's not the right fuel. It will end up producing the wrong fruit, judgmental natures, etc., etc. We need good motivation to get us on track with our praying. Who here has ever started a fitness regime? And, <laughs> and fallen off the bandwagon. Bandwagon. You probably started it because you felt guilty. It feels so gross. You're not fit. Oh, I've got to start it. And that guilt driving you, and you tried so hard, and it was so hard, and then you're like, oh, I can't be bothered anymore. I tell you what gets you keep keeps you going though in your fitness regime is actually feeling better after doing some I don't know some walking or running or weights or whatever and you get that like endorphins that comes in and you're like you know what I do 
maybe guilt will always be a little bit of a factor pushing you to, to exercise. But the best motivation to continue on an exercise regime is not guilt, but the 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 good stuff that you get from exercising. Like you can see that maybe look at your muscles that are getting bigger, or look you've lost weight, or you just feel really good, or if you don't exercise, ugh, you feel gross all day. That is a better motivator than just pure, I feel guilty, so I'm going to exercise. It's almost like the reward keeps you going. Now, it's in some ways the same as prayer. The rewards of prayer keep us going. If you never experience the rewards, then it's going to be hard to push that elephant up a hill. Because if you're only using guilt, won't be sustainable, I don't think. And it will, again drive you into the wrong area of motive, of the fruit won't be great. What we need to focus on is the rewards of praying. <laughs> now that sounds, that sounds like some sort of um, terrible prosperity gospel. But hey, when I read that it says in Matthew 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father, who's unseen, then your father, who sees what he's done in secret, will reward you. Oh, that sounds good to me. Um, what else do we need in life? What do we want in life? What reward do we want in life? Do you know what? I would love it. Like, this would be amazing to me. I would love it if I could present Jesus to people with real clarity. Like, if I could, like, express it in a way that people would go, oh, I really understand that. That, for me, would be a reward, like, that would be extremely useful. Does anyone else get frustrated when they, they can't, it's, you know, it's not coming out right or whatever? Well, let's have a look at a reward that we, we can get from praying. It says in Philippians 4, 5, we do have it up there. Uh, continue steadfastly in prayer. Oh, hang on. No, sorry, Colossians. In Colossians, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, and at the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us the door for the work to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. He's asking them to pray for him, to be able to have more clarity. We can pray for ourselves to be able to have more clarity. Now, if you don't believe that praying is going to result in you having more clarity when you speak, then I can understand why you wouldn't bother to pray for it. But if we actually go back to the word and go, hang on, these things, if I pray, I can I can make it I can I can be more clear. So then we really should start praying about that and then let's watch God reward us with the ability to speak clearly. Are you really, really stressed out? Are you really anxious? Are you struggling? Do you really, really, really want peace in your life? It says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. In Philippians. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you need peace? Pray. <laughs> go back to praying. You might go, but it didn't work. It didn't work that time that I prayed. Pray again. <laughs> I don't understand why. And you may go, you're not instilling much faith in us. There's this like, with Christianity, there's this like doggedness of belief in the face of things that aren't, that don't seem right in this world. 
we are like terrier dogs mm-hmm. yep. and yeah. we grab on and we don't let go. That is literally what the Bible kind of says, says to do, to keep coming back. I don't know why you, it didn't work, but pray again. Come back to it. Claim the scriptures. Repeat the scripture to God and go, hey, you say this, so give me my peace, <laughs> please. <laughs> Do you want justice in an unfair situation? Who remembers that um, the verses about um, uh, the uh, widow who kept coming back to the judge, kept coming back saying, excuse me, excuse me, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. Are you facing an injustice in your life? Maybe you need to pray about it. And maybe you will get justice in this world, but maybe you will get justice in the next world, in the next life. Pray. That's from Luke 18 if you didn't want a reference for that. Don't get me wrong. Of course I'm not saying that God will give you a boat. (laughs) Eventually you'll be braver an hour a day for a whole year. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the rewards that are the most worthwhile in this world are not physical things. You may have been a person who was really close to God and you prayed a lot at one point. You may reflect back on that and go, that was a really good time in God. I felt close to God, the peace, the clarity of, of, you know, and the assurance that I felt still available today. If you've never been in that part, use the rewards of being close to God as a motivator to pray again. The biggest reward we can possibly get is a closeness with the Lord. Like, seriously, houses and boats and GoPros, AirPods, uh, will come and go. <laughs> the most worthwhile things to be rewarded with in this lifetime is a closeness and a communion, a close relationship with our Lord. And that is the reward of a prayer life. So use that. Don't use... Uh, I mean, hey, sometimes we just need to actually set a routine down. But I don't really see that as guilt. I see that as a positive routine. We need a routine down um, to, to get us to remind us to pray because who knows sometimes we aren't good at following through. Maybe you need a routine. But the guilt should not be pushing you to pray. What should be pushing you is a desire for our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a sustainable motivator to pray and if you feel like I don't have that motivation pray that you would have that motivation (laughs) alright just to finish I'm going to quickly read a story it's called an empty chair a man's daughter had asked the local pastor to come and pray with her father when the pastor arrived he found the man lying in bed with his head propped up on two pillows and an empty chair beside his bed The minister assumed that the old fellow had been informed of his visit. Oh, I guess you were expecting me, he said. No, who are you? I'm the new pastor at your local church, he replied. When I saw the empty chair, I figured you knew I was going to show up. Oh, yes, the chair, said the bedridden man. Would you mind closing the door? (laughs) I'd be a bit worried at this point. Puzzled, the pastor shut the door. I've never told anyone this, he replied, not even my daughter. But all my life I have never known how to pray. At church I used to hear the pastor talk about prayer and it just went right over my head. 
I abandoned any attempt at praying, the old man continued, until one day, about four years ago, my best friend said to me, Joe, prayer is just a simple matter of having a conversation with Jesus. Here's what I suggest. Sit down on a chair and then place an empty chair in front of you and in faith see Jesus on the chair. So it's not spooky because he promised, because Jesus said, I'll be with you always. Then just speak to him and listen in the same way you're doing with me right now, said his friend. So I tried it and I've liked it so much that I do it for a couple of hours every day. I'm careful though. If my daughter saw me talking to an empty chair, <laughs> she'd either have a nervous breakdown or send me off to the fun farm. The pastor was deeply moved by the story and encouraged the old man to continue on the journey. Sometimes we need a physical, <laughs> but that is as simple as prayer is. If you need to place a chair in your room, no one will judge you. <laughs> we will presume we know what it's about. <laughs> but that is it. Sometimes we just need to come back to who is God and is God actually with me? And we sing, I'm loved by my Father. Do we actually believe it? All right, let's pray. God, help us to get this right. More than anything, we want a heart that oh, just runs after you. And you see all of the stuff that distracts us, that brings us down, that manoeuvres us away from you. God, we want to get rid of that so that we just want to be so close to you. Help us in this area to get it right and to be as you want us to be, to continually be in communion with you at all times. Help us in our weakness, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.